Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Well, hey there, amigos. Welcome back to Casa de Blood for our Cinco de Mayo celebration. And since this is an educational program, a little more about this special holiday. Cinco de Mayo commemorates Mexico's unexpected victory over France in the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, 1862. Well, good on you, Mexico. And thanks for giving me another reason to drink tonight. Well, good point, pal. I guess we were drinking tonight anyway. Uh, come on in, friend. Hmm. Ah, es mejor. So, smoke them if you got them and drink those glasses to the bottom, y'all. Cause old Drew Blood has a tale to tell. But first, take it away, Jeff. Oh, hey. I didn't see you there. You know, Drew Bloodstark Tales is only one of the many shows on this network you could be listening to. We hope you'll subscribe to our entire lineup, including Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, Fear from the Heartland, and Horror Hill. All available on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit simplyscarypodcast.com to become a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you get our entire catalog ad-free and available to download or stream. A bargain. And now... Back to the show. And tonight we welcome back our old pal Aaron Vleck, whom you might remember from quite a few past episodes, most recently The Hot Zone. Tonight we join a newspaper reporter looking for a story of the surreal. So, from author Aaron Vleck, I give you Nursery Games. My name's Skip Richards. My newspaper man with a local rag up here in Northern Cali, and I'd been sussing out possible leads for my next big story. It needed to be something local, with a lot of pathos and plenty of surprises to keep them turning the page. I'd stumbled on a guy who was a detective, some kind of spook doctor from the sounds of it. I'd figured I'd interview him, see which direction it took. He could turn out to be nothing but a nut job. There's plenty of colorful misfits around here. But if there really was something I could sink my teeth into, I'd milk it for all it was good for. 
It happened like this. I'd been dug in at a nearby watering hole, a nice enough place, dark and airy with a lot of windows and a long deck out back hugging the rocks overlooking the Pacific's crashing waves below. And it was casual enough so nobody's hanging over your shoulder making sure the tab's still growing. The place dished up the usual grub, steaks, heavy on the fish, chowder, and burgers, and also served as the local chapter of the crusty old farts club. When I frequented the joint, it was mostly just the same weather-beaten old codgers. Fishermen, the same you'd see all over the world. Jacks of all trade for whatever needed getting done. And the kind of retirees who'd eye you up and down with a sneer, and then talk your ear off once they figured you were all right. Sooner or later, their curiosity gets the best of them, and they always talk to a newspaper man. I'd started sounding them out on what was doing around here, who was the man to know, any weirdos or crackpots to avoid, who to call when you needed a job done, wood hauling, something fixed, that sort of thing. They all agreed a guy hunkered down in the corner nursing his drink was just the fella I was looking for. Yeah, name's Henderson, Jack Henderson. One old coot said, stabbing his thumb over his shoulder towards the guy and tugging the snow-white beard he'd never seemed to let go of. Yeah, he's your man, sure to rights. You go talk to Jack. Yeah, he's an okay sort. He likes the jaw when you get him started. Don't expect too much at first, though. You won't get anything out of him tonight, that's for damn sure. <laughs> Another said with a snort of laughter. No, sir. That's the truth. You gotta be patient with a fella like that. Let him see you around. Then go nice and easy. Like you was trying to saddle break a young fella. <laughs> they all roared and slapped me on the back. <laughs> but that's the truth, though, ain't it? You mock my words. Go slow. Let him see you're all right. And you lay some yawns on you, you'll not soon forget. That's for damn sure, he added as they all got up and staggered towards the dartboard. That was the last I had out of them, but I could hear them well enough from where I sat. Are you taking the Lucy Linda out like you planned, Stu? One of them asked, never taking his eye off his aim. Uh, you bet. Got a group of rich young bucks coming up from Frisco. Yeah, want me to take them out for Marlin, don't you know? Stu boomed and they all roared. Marlin, what a bunch of half-wits. Don't they know it's too damn cold around here for Marlin? <laughs> Another piped up. No, they do not, sir. And I will oblige you to stay mum on those particulars and keep your damn yap to yourself. You got any idea what they'll be kicking my way for a half-day trip like that? He grumbled. Eh, don't blame them, though, Marlins. She's a damn good-looking fish, all right, said another, taking aim at the dartboard. Hell yeah, it is. I figure they want one of them beauties to hang up over their desk to impress their friends. And with this, they all broke up into laughter again, and I spied the guy who they had pointed out as Jack Henderson look up and tap the side of his skull and shoot a grin in my direction. I did the same and asked him what he was drinking. I grabbed it and made my way with a beer of my own to his table and introduced myself. Lucky for me, we hit it off right away. Both had spent time up in New York and up in the Klondike, so there was plenty for me to open with, and he kept raising me like he'd been itching for somebody new to talk to. I've always had an open mind when it comes to anything that takes me off the beaten path. But all too soon, we were shaking hands and headed to our cars, agreeing to do this again sometime real soon. I hadn't pushed them, but left a few openers where it was clear I was looking for a good story. The weirder the better, and I was none too judgmental on such things. I could always back out later if the guy turned out to be a crank, but I had a gut feeling he wasn't. It was just two nights later when we happened to be back in the schooner nursing drinks over dinner and Jack was asking me more about my story. Hmm, there's plenty enough to work with around here, 
Jack said, sawing through a steak that was bleeding red and running across his plate. Scratch the surface and everybody around here is a real character. These old guys, he said, pointing to the crew clustered around the dartboard. Hmm, they're a pack of misfit rodeo clowns, but they're all right. I suppose they told you I was a detective, he said, eyeing me over the top of his glasses. Yeah, I believe they did. You with Gualala PD? I asked, playing dumb, and he snorted. <laughs> Is that what they told you? He asked incredulously, not sure if I was pulling his leg or the old boys were having me on. I don't remember exactly. So what is it anyway? Could make for an interesting line on my story. I bet you've got some real humdingers to tell. I prodded, hunkering down and signaling another round from the bar. Noticing the old guys had simmered down and were pulling their chairs up to grab an earful and make sure they didn't miss a single word. Hmm. Here was my card. Jack said, pulling one from his jacket pocket and shoving it at me across the table. What do you think that means? He asked, tapping the small white card with a finger and eyeing me closely. Don't let the haints get you. Call Jack, I read slowly. Well, I'm not sure exactly. Haints, that's ghosts and devil stuff, right? I said, knowing full well what it was. Close enough, Mr. Newspaper Man, close enough. Now... I've handled a lot of cases in my time and seen things that would get me tossed into the nut hatch if I opened my yap to the wrong people. Hmm, you bet I've seen things. Rubbed shoulders and more with all kind of conjure folk, medicine men, whammy mambos, and witch doctors the world over. But I do have one little story I can slap on the table to wet your whistle if you like. And as I say, make of it what you will, he said, tossing off the last of his drink. Hell yeah, that'd be swell. And I gotta tell you, I've got an open mind and don't recommend anybody to the loony bin who's not running naked in the street, I said, and Henderson busted the belly laugh and fixed me with his gaze as he gathered his thoughts. <laughs> Alrighty then. This was a couple of years back now, so all cards are on the table. I admit to handling cases that would get most people slammed into that loony bin of yours. Truth be told, I did a stint there myself when I was a lot younger and a whole lot stupider than I am now. You learn quick enough if you want to stay above ground and passable for sane. Who to tell what and when to hold your lip. When you keep your cards to yourself, when to call, and most importantly, when it's your time to walk the hell away. There's no shame in walking away if you can't win in some haints game, and no honor in dying. I'm still working it all out, but it's all worked out well enough. Henderson explained, pausing long enough to see whether I was giving him the hairy eyeball or not. So this couple got a hold of me, like I say, a couple years back. Said they'd moved into a house that was by all rights haunted, and they'd about had all they could stand and wanted to see if it could be exercised or something. I was about to walk away from that one. Talk of exorcisms and the like reeks to me of Bibles and God-botherers, and mumbo-jumbo that doesn't mean a damn thing by my reckoning. And haints, ghosts, and such, all the rest of it, hell, the great by and by is filled to the rafters with folks and critters and whatnots that don't fall into any category by rights, and talk of exorcisms just gets my hackles up. But wanting to be polite and all, I asked him what they had seen and heard, how they knew it was haunted, and most importantly, how did the place feel? They said it felt evil. Not my term, theirs. So I asked them to explain. That's when they had me. They said it only happened at night, but it was kids. They heard a lot of little feet tearing ass through the house all night and crying in hushed whispers. Well, I had heard enough. First off, little kids ain't evil. I mean, sure, there's exceptions, but they're mighty rare. 
but I'll never turn down a case where there's kids involved. That gets my backside up and I'll go to war to help them any way I can. Send them on to the promised land or wherever they go if they had a mind to choose. So it was all settled. The couple, the Smiths we'll call them, moved into a hotel and left me the place for the duration of whatever I needed to do. I packed a few bags of what I'd need to suss the place out. I brought the cards, of course, along with an assortment of shimmy wands and juju ciphers and gadgets I'd picked up from all over for drawing stuff out of the walls and whatever hidey holes they were shored up in. I brought my coyote shade, too, for walking between the spaces and seeing what there was to be seen, but only if I really needed to. I brought a number of small clay pots full of concoctions my buddy Christopher down in New Orleans kept me supplied with for a variety of needs. And I brought a shiny black calling card with the Baron Samedi's Veve worked into it in quick silver that flows over the surface like water never looking the same way twice. I kept that in a case for safekeeping, safe for it, and safe for me. That thing was for special occasions only, and I did not use it lightly. Just having it on me had a price attached, but it was damn indispensable for when things got too far out of reach of my usual line. Let's pull up to the fire, Jack said. Fog's coming in fast. It'll be cold as a bastard in here. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, so first thing I had to do was scope out the house during the day and get the feel of it. Since the Smith said the action only started up at night. I figured the place wouldn't really feel evil if it was just a couple of little kid haints running around. But, well, there's a reason you got kids haunting the place. And it always starts with some kind of tragedy that needs to get set to rights. So I set up camp in that big old house. Not a mansion, but a right fine brick middle class home from the turn of the century with a huge living room. Stone fireplace a man could walk into, and a dining room big enough to seat 20 people or more, and a kitchen needed to pull it off. There was lots of bedrooms too, nothing fancy, all pretty run-of-the-mill with the Smiths remodeling and all. I wandered through the place, letting it sink in and take hold of me, not thinking too hard on anything really, just listening as the walls talked to me, if they had a mind to. Nothing much came to me on that first pass, so I dumped my gear in a room I liked for bunking in. Then I plundered the well-stocked icebox, setting a roaring fire, and settled down to open myself all the way and wait for the preliminary fireworks that was bound to come, my unapologetic presence being a glove thrown to the barroom floor, so to speak. A confused torrent of waves washed over me, there was kids here all right, two of them, a boy and a girl, 
and something else. It was this something else that caught my attention, and it causing all the hurt that was going on here. I did a reading of the cards, yeah. The spirits of the children were inhabiting this place, and no, they were not happy little tykes. How could they be, trapped in here by none of their own doing? I decided to doze off for a bit and see if I could spy anything through that side of things. I woke up suddenly with a jerk as something gave my hand a strong yank, and I almost fell out of my chair. I could hear the little footsteps retreating down the hall and lots of whispering. No games here. I was clearly being sized up. Who was I? And what hand was I going to play in all this? I got up and walked around the room, taking my time, letting my guard down nice and easy like I'd do with a pooch I was hoping to make pals with. The kids could see I meant them no harm, and I could feel their eyes on me, watching, tucked away in their hidey holes, places they'd long made use of. Then I felt the other eyes on me, furtive, suspicious, old and mean, and the source of all the terror that was coming off the kids in hot waves. He was sizing me up too from the shadows, just how much trouble was I going to be? It didn't take long to know the kid stayed hid when the other was nosing around, and it didn't take a college egghead to know he had a hold on them, that he needed them, and that need was sick and wrong. The old man, as I started to think of him, he stayed out of sight, which is a trick in itself but I could feel him throbbing there in the darkness like a vile heart turned to rot from years, too many years of joyful frolic and evil doing. But I had my eye locked on him just the same. Not many can hide from old Jack Henderson when he wants them unhid. When he was cleaning my sights, that's when I saw he was what I like to call a twofer, meaning a human that's carrying a leech the leech being something not human, that never was human, that gets into somebody like a parasite and turns them to rot in ways not normal to a human of decent society. See, a leech knows his business real good. Who can say what they are really? Low order of thing, that's for sure. Like any parasite or maggot that gnaws on something and turns it to muck as the spirit of its host bleeds away to feed the leech. More people, way more people, living people, are carrying around the leech than most people could ever suspect. And it explains all kinds of stuff you read about in the newspaper. Hideous stuff of the shocking variety that makes you hold humanity in low regard. If you know what you are looking for and know how to spot it, when you meet somebody carrying a leech, you can see it like a grinning sort of thing in there behind the guy's eye looking out at you and daring you to do something about it. And if you're a certain kind of person, you can feel it right away. No way they can hide if they're carrying a leech. When somebody dies who has a leech on them, they don't move on to the great by and by. They stay put raising Cain and tarnation of the lowest order as they rain down misery and hellfire on everybody in their path. I figured these kids had been the victims of the fella and the appetites of his leech when they was all alive. And when the old man died, he just kept running them like he had been. I was going to find out exactly what he had done to them, although it wasn't too hard to cipher. First, I was going to set the kids free, and then deal with the horrible old man and his leech in my own sweet time. That was the plan. The second night, I was on the watch, as I like to call it. Everybody stayed ahead and just watched me go about my business. Now, since the place had been remodeled by the Smiths, I had no way of telling what the original layout was. So I called up the missus of the house, and she drove over with the blueprints so I could get a good look-see. Sure enough, there was rooms where there never was before, and other rooms were gone full missing. But what I could see plain as day 
was a web of energies from the kids and from the old man, and I knew he was not a relative. Not the kid's pops or granddad, nothing of the sort. As the picture got clear in my head, I could see he had been something like a butler, with the kid's folks doing way more gallivanting around than folks ought to be doing with little ones back at home. The house sat empty for years after, with some estate agents handling the sales, but nobody bit the bait for 15 years or more until the Smiths came along looking for their dream home. Talk about bum's luck. So, by way of looking for the hidey holes and secret places and boarded up rooms, I blindfolded myself so there'd be no distractions. Then, room by room, I made my way down each wall, sliding my fingertips over the surface and sending my spotty feelers out to suss over all that was hid there. I was looking for boarded up doors, places that didn't make sense or were out of whack with the original size of the house. Space is too big or too small for the layout of the place. That's what I was looking for. These kinds of redos can be a big problem when the spirit of the original house lays restless like a kind of skeleton over the new configuration. If you have the right sight like I do, you can see it, like a ghost house twisted around and sitting askew over the new layout. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, and as I say, sometimes it's a problem for folks, and sometimes it's not, depending on what's holed up in those lost spaces and meandering boarded-up passageways. Sure enough, I found a couple of places where a door was boarded over, painted up, and then wallpapered over. The rooms on the other side of those doors were larger in the original design, then I set out getting a feel of the place, and right as rain, I found the kid's secret place. It was sealed over with wood and paint, and by the kind of fear that only little kids and small animals can put out when they're being hurt. I also felt the foul waves radiating like the heat you'd expect off somebody hellbound, if I was a believing man in such a place. And I found his secret place, too. It was getting on towards dark and a biting cold was setting in, so I lit a big fire and drew up some grub, then settled down and got warm. Things being what they were, I was soon dreaming about the case, something I liked to do whenever I needed another layer of the sight. I'll pass easy into a dream, no pause or nothing, just like moving from one room to the next. What I saw there explained a lot of things and set my mind clearly on what was going to happen next. The old man's secret room was hid all right, and had been hid when the former residents lived there too, buried over from an even earlier remodel. The thing that thrashed and slithered around in there had once been a man, but was now a full-on haint of the most despicable sort. Like I said, the butler had a leech on him, but the thing is, you don't get a leech on you unless you want him on you, or are somehow incapacitated and given over to excesses that make you easy prey. Too much bad drink and unnatural degrees of licentiousness, and I don't mean anything of the usual and ordinary variety. A fella like that is a damn magnet for anything with a hunger in it. The butler was feeding on the kids, keeping them hurt and scared like cattle to the slaughter, and just running them like an open spigot of pain. That's what was in this house, and it was a story run over several years until the kids were eventually killed in the sport this creature had a taste for. Just how much do I really need to tell you about what went on there? And how much do you need to know about a room fitted out like a damn gymnasium of horror? With tools and toys of staggering variety that even made a man like me who's seen such things in the course of his cases damn near disgorge his supper. There was things that had been special made since nothing of what I saw could have been bought in any rightful legal store. There was vials of stuff too. Oh yeah. Shelves and shelves of bottles, tinctures, mix-ups, and all the tools of the trade of a damn apothecary of evil. There was manacles on the walls, too, and on the floor. 
even hanging from the damn ceiling. What I saw there would put the worst of the Spanish Inquisition masterminds to howl with shame. Oh yeah, and there was books too, and pictures of all sorts arranged and ordered up like some kind of library. I didn't look at more than enough to get the gist, but the gist was clearly meant to enhance some sort of excitation or ecstatic trance so the butler could suck the most out of what he needed from those kids. I think that's about enough. You get the picture. So as I said, this guy was a twofer, meaning there was the man-thing, and there was the leech that schooled him in his ways and needs. Well, he was also a twofer in another way. By that I mean I had two cases here. One was to free the kids of this haint and clear them of all his doings on them. The second thing that needed doing was dealing with the haint himself. Nothing like that can be allowed to run free and wreak havoc. It cannot be allowed to go forth unchecked with his account untallied, if you get my meaning. Henderson paused here to call for another round and tossed back the one he was working on. This gave me time to reel in my chair and catch my breath. I was getting more than I'd bargained for here and was pretty sure I was glad of it. Also pretty sure he'd given me just enough of the details without setting me up for a lifetime of nightmares, and for that, I was grateful. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The next morning I woke up. Henderson continued, getting back into his story. Well, I just about started bawling like a baby myself. The little haints of those two kids were curled up next to me on the bed, looking for all the world like they was just fast asleep. They looked so peaceful, and it warned me to know they'd seen me for what I was, somebody who aimed to help who was going to protect him from further harm if he had to tear this whole damned house down to the ground with his own two hands and set the ruins ablaze. Now, don't be too disappointed if how this all gets tied up isn't a story for the ages or a cataclysm that rends the heavens asunder and the earth ablaze. The way you contain a hanged, the way you send it on its way, or shut it down completely depends on the need. A haint that was at any point a human, or even part of one, is pretty much the same the world over as the ingredients are all the same. It's a simple enough operation, but it's one of the first things you gotta learn in any of the ways of juju, conjure, and the like. So I set about to contain the kids first and get them clear of the butler and onto safe ground. There's proprietary work here, you know, sayings and the like. Designs on the floor and in the air and on my person. Oh yeah, all that and a whole lot more. That's all I'll say as I don't want my means and methods getting out there and about. But I'm sure you can cipher my meaning here. Use your imagination. He said with a wink, and I just nodded. I set up in the biggest room downstairs with all my gadgets and gizmos, protecting devices both subtle and mundane. After cleaning and clearing the place, I laid out the circle of ciphers and symbols drawn up for the purpose, and lit some herbs alight in the small brazier pot I carry for such things in my kit bag. Last thing was I lit the circle ablaze and set two on the sayings I'd drawn up and knew by heart for this operation, this time drawn upon the Tibetan school who's particularly well versed in these matters. 
The kids came running right away into my arms, in the safety of the fiery circle I'd laid down. Of course, it didn't take long for the butler Hank to come a-running too. He slammed into the circle like an old ford into a brick wall, and came to a dead halt. His howls of outrage and pain washing over us like a hailstorm, but doing no more harm than a flurry of leaves in a spring breeze. Again and again, three times, four times, five and more he slammed into the circle, and the two little haints clung to me for dear life of a sort, and I held them tight like they was a part of me. We stayed there that way for a good while till long after sunup. Then all was quiet, and the butler was gone off to sulk and lick his wounds and figure on what he was going to try next, which gave me all the time needed to clean the kids. Clean is the best way I can say it. But what I did was release them of all the horrors and memories of what had been done to them by the butler, to let them go sweet and clean like the day they was made back into the great by-and-by. I let them out through an opening I'd set up into the aethers above the circle that the butler could not reach no matter what he did, and I chuckled at the thought of him raging around my door like a toothless old wolf. Then, when I knew the kids were good and gone and there was nothing more could be done to them, I set my thoughts on the butler himself, and oh, what thoughts they were. Now, me not being a saintly man, never claimed I was, I had no such plans of washing the butler clean of his sins and misdeeds and then sending him to the promised land, no sir. I am no saintly man, and I cared nothing for any sob story of his on how he got tangled up with a leech in the first place. There's no accident in any of that, and sure as hell no innocence to it. Old Jack Henderson was going to be his ending, and that's all there was to it. So I went back and gathered up a whole other set of goo-gaws and doodads, tinctures and oils and whatnots, and set afire some very different herbs and spices that turned the room black with an oily haze that made me cover my face with a rag so as I didn't breathe too much of it in. Then I called on some of those ancient ways and means I know of that never was human, and they were more than happy to set their sights and appetites on the likes of the butler man. And then he came, sniffing around but against his will this time, but pretending to be the man in charge of things, and all I could do was laugh. I'd prepared this special jar just for the butler, and when he came nosing around into that jar... Called to it by the salts and extracts inside, he just could not refuse. Then I knew I had him. And by all the gods and devils, I surely did. When he was fully inside that jar, I slammed the lid shut and sealed it over tight with a hex wax seal I had on hand, and then sat back enjoying the sweet sound of his howls bouncing off the walls of the jar. And there you have it. Never again would the butler do any harm or malice on any man or beast. Henderson sat back, good and satisfied with his telling, a big smile on his face as he called for more drinks. That was one hell of a yarn, sir, I said, taking down the rest of it and starting to put away my notebook on which I'd scribbled all that he was laying on me. Oh, not so fast there, old boyo. Not so fast. The telling of this story is long from done. You think I keep me a collection of foul haints locked up in jars about my secret digs and hidey holes or in my home of all homes? Lord, no, sir. Once I had secured that jar and its lonesome contents, I needed a place of safekeeping so it would never again cause harm to anybody but stay forever in the hands of somebody whose line is just that very thing. So this was my next move. I called up a buddy of mine of long and favored standing down New Orleans way, fella named Kristoff. Now, Kristoff, he's a fine right juju man of the highest order, 
and well-placed among the old ways. I call him up and he says, come you right down, my fine friend, and we'll fix this haint of yours up real good with the Baron Samedi himself, the Lord of the Crossroads, and the dealer in deaths both righteous and profane, whatever's needed and called for. So I packed up the jar good and tight and set out for New Orleans by train, a trip of some day's journey. When I arrive, I meet my buddy at his place. Christoph's potions, spells, herbs, and whatnots. A fine emporium of all that's needed and desired to set you up in the conjure way. I handed that jar over to Christoph, and that's the end of my part in the matter. Next day, Christoph and I, we catch up on old times, a thing long overdue, and we make short work of a fine meal and a few excellent bottles of very old rum in the bargain. Postscript In New Orleans, there's a very, very old church that some say is long abandoned, and others say is forgotten or torn down years ago. Some say it never existed in the first place, except to scare folks into keeping to the straight and narrow. But none can rightly say just where it might be found. Them that know would never say or even admit to ever hear and tell of it. Christoph Knoll found himself in possession of a very foul jar of crude design, sealed over with a wax doodad etched with ciphers he did not wish to look on too closely. The church aforementioned was deep in a forbidden place and disavowed of newfangled ways and means, and folks of money who sought to turn New Orleans into a place it was never meant to be, and fought bloody tooth and claw and nail to resist. The church aforementioned was damn near hidden deep in the bayou by the cypress and the long widow's hair of ancient moss and mold that takes hold of everything it has a mind to. On a night chosen especially for the task at hand, Christoph Knoll of the New Orleans Knolls descended into the unlit catacombs beneath that church. Bearing in his two hands a lantern, a jar, and a standing welcome from the Lord of the Crossroads. Down and down Christoph passed deeper and deeper into the earth by way of a staircase that opened up beneath a trap door of peculiar design that was so heavy it was almost too much for a man to bear. He traveled through tunnels large and small, all alight with hex lamps and smudge pots, and the heat that would suffocate a man was that man not there by special invite of the Baron Samedi. Not being a social call, Christoph stopped at the heavy carved black door at the end of that warren of tunnels. Then he set the jar on the ground before the door, knocked once, then he ran like hell back the way he had come, and clean out of the bayou altogether. Even though the Baron was Christoph's own true patron, it didn't set well to waste his time or try to sit by while thinking you might socialize or pass the time of day. All time spent with the Baron has a heavy price that must be paid on account, and it's best to forestall that account until it can no longer be avoided even if the Baron means you no harm and has taken a liking to you, which was surely the case with Christoph Knoll of the New Orleans Knolls. 
A short time later, the Baron Samedi sat upon his throne of skulls in his secret place of high juju that none may enter except the dead. He considered the jar in his hand as a man might ponder a glitter and snifter of exceptionally fine cognac. Taking its measure and savoring the heady aroma of all he was about to enjoy at his leisure. For Kristoff, for his friend Jack Henderson who had done him a good turn now and then. And for those little kids who'd never done no wrong to any man. And especially for the butler man ain't himself. The Baron Samedi picked off the wax seal from the jar with a long, slender finger like a mama going after a fresh jar of preserves. He breathed in long and deep of what sought hard to escape that jar, and he started to laugh. The Baron's laughter was damn near drowned out by the smells of agony and the screams of fear that flowed from the jar and filled the air like a noxious incense. The last of the haint of the butler and what he carried was swallowed up whole into the Baron and took its place among those destined to spend an eternity in torment and woe, or until the Baron grew tired of him. The screams finally melted away into pitiful sobs that soon enough died away altogether. All there was left then was the laughter of the Baron which some later took to be a crack of mighty thunder, or the coming of the very judgment day itself, depending on their constitution. Most folks just figure it was some peculiar sort of doings in the conjure way that was none of their business after all. And best paid no never mind. I hope you enjoyed Nursery Games by author Aaron Vleck. A good reminder to vet your butlers. It's always the butler. A little about the author. Aaron Vleck is a storyteller whose work focuses primarily on the trickster as bringer of delight and proponent of disquieting humors. Many of her short stories delve into the original tales of the djinn and a universal imagining of the Native American coyote. Some works are historical in settings while others hail from the contemporary and urban landscape. She indulges more and more in the reimagining of classic themes of Lovecraftian horror and has a keen fondness for the occult detective. Erin is a graduate of Sarah Lawrence College where she spent most of her time writing. Her work has appeared in many places around the net including Ghastly Tales podcast, The Wicked Library, Nocturnal Transmissions, and Creeperoni, as well as in numerous anthologies. She was shortlisted for a Parsec Award and appeared on Ellen Datlow's recommended reading list a few years ago. And finally, for her crowning achievement, she was featured on Drew Blood's Dark Tales. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. And do old Drew Blood a favor, would you? Subscribe to his podcast wherever you do your listening and leave him a five-star review and a kind word, even if you're listening on YouTube. He needs soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and he appreciates it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all the other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click Patrons in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at chillintalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to their entire audio archive, all ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there. 
where you'll get all the latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with them each and every week. Oh, and you can find Drew Blood on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. The Drew Blood's Dark Tales podcast is accepting submissions, friend. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on the show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment. Ten bananas. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, friend. At least till next week. So grab a drink for the road. But before you swallow that mezcal worm, give it a little thought first. You're one licentatious son of a bitch and apt to end up in a jar yourself. So may the wind be at your back and may the road rise up to meet you. A big shout out to all the listeners out there. I really appreciate each and every one of you. And so from the bottom of my heart, Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.